Please stand. Lord, who throughout these forty days for us didst fast and pray, teach us with thee to mourn our sins and close by thee to stay. As thou with Satan didst contend and didst the victory win, oh, give us strength in thee to fight, in thee to conquer sin. As thou didst hunger, bear, and thirst, so teach us, gracious Lord, to die to self and chiefly live by thy most holy word. And through these days of time, yea, evermore in life and death, Jesus with us abide. Abide with us, that so this life of suffering or past. An Easter of unending joy we may attain at last. I invite you to follow along in the ivory covered church guide that's in your pews this evening. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. His mercy endures forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your Here he is. 
Jesus, I've forgotten the words that you have spoken, promises that burn within my heart have now grown dim. With a doubting heart I follow the paths of earthly wisdom. Forgive me for my unbelief, renew the fire again, and Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy.
an altar where I worship things of man. I have taken journeys that have drawn me far from you. Now I am returning to your mercies ever flowing. Pardon my transgressions, help me love you again. And Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Like a river of forgiveness Ever flowing without end I bow my heart before you In the goodness of your presence Your grace forever shining Like a beacon in the night and Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy on me. And Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord.
So reading from the book of Joel. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will it be again after them through the years of all generations. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Who should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand and join me with Psalm 51, page 2 of your booklet. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. For behold, you looked for the truth deep within me, and you will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin, and I shall be pure. Wash me, and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of jo hair of joy and gladness, that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your, your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. I shall teach your ways to the wicked, and sinners shall return to you. Deliver me from death, O God, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness, O God of my salvation. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Had you desired it, I would have offered sacrifice. But to you, no delight in burnt offerings. 
The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit. A broken heart, O God, you will not despise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as he was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. A reading from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind, in pure lives thy service find in
In simple trust like theirs who heard beside the Syrian sea, the gracious calling of the Lord, let us like them without a word rise up and follow. Please remain standing and pray with me. Almighty God, I pray that in these moments this evening as we begin the Feast of Lent, as uh, George Herbert the poet called this time of fasting, Lord, I pray that you would please open our hearts again to the truth of the freedom that you offer us when we would deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you. Give me the words that you need me to speak to this people tonight. Grant us all ears to hear and hearts ready to receive. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, enable us to keep a holy Lent. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if uh, you are a guest with us this evening, or perhaps this may be your first time for one of our um, Ash Wednesday services at Christ Church, you will know that I, I'm always amazed and have to remark on the fact that the gospel reading every year is the passage from Luke, I mean from Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus warns us against disfiguring our faces to show that we're fasting, and then we all go and have our faces disfigured with ashes. So I know there's some irony there. Um, if, uh, if that is a, a scruple for you, don't worry. You can walk right by one of the restrooms and, and wash them off But as you go off into the night. But I don't think anybody's going to see you except us here this evening as we begin this fast and we are marked with the ashes for Lent. You know, Lent is a time of repentance uh, that the church observes and has observed from very ancient times. We'll talk about that in just a minute as we prepare to receive the ashes on our foreheads. But we need this time of repentance because for most of us, certainly if you're like me, over the course of days and weeks, our lives become a little more out of step with the Holy Spirit and a little more out of step with Christ's claim upon our lives. And so we need a, we need a reset button. We need a time in the Christian life where we can kind of hit the reset bu button, maybe go back to factory settings even. I don't know. It may take that for some of us because we need to get back into step with God. It's a time of reflecting on the character of our relationship with Jesus Christ and it is a season of renewal. It is a time of revival and renewal of that relationship. It is a time to really let the Holy Spirit examine our lives and identify any places where we have allowed the darkness to creep back in to our existence. 
You know, one of the ways we seek for God to renew our walk with Jesus Christ through this time of Lent is through the practice of self-denial. There's probably uh, nothing more countercultural in the Christian walk at this time uh, in history as the practice of self-denial. We don't live in a culture that supports that very often. And that's why we talk about uh, giving up stuff for Lent. It's not just so that we can, I don't know, you know, give up caffeine. If you're giving up caffeine for Lent, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, <coughs> you are super spiritual. It, it's not just about giving up sweet. It's not just about doing something for the sake of giving, giving something up. It is actually a spiritual discipline of self-denial. Now, some of us are a little cautious about this this talk about self-denial and self-discipline because we're afraid that it sounds a lot like salvation by works or works righteousness. In other words, it, it sounds like, you know, if we try really hard and deny ourselves really well, then God is going to be so impressed and he's going to love us a lot more. Well, that is not what we mean by self-denial. That is not what we teach about self-discipline. We do not believe that. In fact, uh, no, 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 no. We don't believe in works righteousness. That is not what fasting or abstaining from something in Lent is all about. You see, God already, hear me, God already loves us infinitely, and his favor, blessing, and forgiveness are ours because of faith in Jesus Christ alone. Full stop. Nothing else can be added to that, not because of any works that you or I can do. So that's not what self-denial is about. But here's what it is about. We practice self-denial because it is a core part of our Christian walk. There is no following of Jesus without the practice of self-denial. In fact, that is the very first step in following Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So it's the very first thing that we do. We deny ourselves because the reality is, brothers and sisters, most of the time we're just full of ourselves. And we need to deny ourselves. And as disciples, we are commanded to live self-disciplined lives. In other words, following Christ means that we control our appetites, desires, and passions and offer them in submission to Jesus Christ. Now, I shared this passage on Sunday, but it is still ringing in my ears. Listen to what Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and following. Listen to what he says about God's grace. As I said on this past Sunday, a lot of times we think of grace as sort of just get out of jail free cards. But really what grace is, is much more than that. This is what the scripture says. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. This is what grace does. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So not only, does, not only are we saved by grace, we listen, we're empowered by grace. Empowered for holy living by grace. 
We can't live this life in our own power. We need God's grace to practice self-denial. We have to be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this. And do you know what? That is exactly what the Scripture promises us. God promises us in Scripture these things. In uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, St. Paul tells Timothy, he says, God, has, has, uh, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It is a part of the Spirit's gift in our life. And if we didn't hear it there, we could certainly hear it in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul tells us the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And at the end of that list of the fruit of the Spirit, he says self-control. It is a gift, a fruit of the outworking of the Spirit in our lives. So why does the Bible promote self-denial as a core part of our Christian walk? Is it just so, is it just so that we can live a, sort of a dull, gloomy, you know, fun-free existence? I, I, I know that some people think that, that God is, you know, he's, he's, got, he's the cosmic killjoy. I know that's the way some people think about God. But that's not what we practice self-denial about. You see, the reality is, is that we are embodied beings and as people with bodies, uh, we, 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 our life in our body, the physical life in the body affects our spiritual life. Your physical life affects your spiritual life. They're not compartmentalized. They flow over into one another. So self-denial provides space in the Christian life to hear God above the clamor of our appetites. Our lives are filled with clutter and clamor. And when we deny ourselves, when we say no to our appetites and desires, we remove the things that are distracting us from God. And you know, brothers and sisters, I think that distraction is perhaps the enemy's most effective day-to-day -day tool in the Christian life to keep us from holy living. He doesn't have to pull us in, tempt us into great sin if he can just keep us distracted. Another passage of Scripture that's been kind of rattling around in my head for the last few days has been this. It comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus is explaining the parable of the sowers, the parable of the sower and the seed. And I'm not going to get deeply into the parable of the sower tonight, but when he, talk, he does talk about seed that is sown among the thorns and how it grows up, it takes root, it springs up, but then the thorns and the weeds choke that seed seed out and it never bears fruit and he explains that to his disciples and listen to what he says and others are the ones sown among thorns they are those who listen they are those who hear the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and listen to this <clears throat> this is mark chapter 4 and the desires the desires for other things not bad things not wicked things just other things being distracted in the Christian life. They enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. So what self-denial does, self-denial is, uh, is God's weed eater in our lives. It's one of the ways that he clears the weeds away from the thorns and the thistles that would grow up and choke God's word and keep us Keeps the things that keep us from being fruitful followers of Jesus. 
Self-denial also reveals the things that pull my affections away from God. Nothing in my life, no pleasure, relationship, activity, possession, nothing is more important than following Jesus Christ. And as his follower, I cannot let anything, not even good things, and this is why we, look, chocolate is a good thing. (laughs) And if that's what you gave up for Lent, you didn't give up something wicked. You gave up one of God's finest gifts to the human race. It's not a bad thing. But we can't let anything, I know it sounds trivial, but things like anything like that can draw us away from focusing our lives fully on Christ. Now, if this sounds scary or gloomy, let me tell you good news. When Christ calls us into the walk of self-denial, he does it so that we, you and I, can experience genuine freedom and joy. Filling our lives with the clutter of the, what, what Jesus says in the passage from Mark I just read, the worries, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things do not bring joy into our lives. They don't bring freedom into our lives. Self-denial grants us the space to experience the freedom that is our birthright as Christians. The scripture says in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And then Jesus says in John chapter 8, speaking of this freedom, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, if the son of God sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here's what we're doing, what we're beginning tonight. Little by little, practices and habits and appetites can come into our life, and if we are not vigilant, they will take us captive and bind us and keep us from loving and serving Jesus with the same zeal and joy that we knew at the beginning of our Christian walk. Um, The thing that the Lord has really laid on my heart for this Lent to give up, and it sounds kind of petty in a way, but I realize that um, I'm addicted to podcasts. And they're good podcasts. They're like theology podcasts, you know. And um, they might have some current event kind of podcasts, like Breakpoint Break Point This Week with uh, John Stone Street and Eric Metaxas, the man who will never let anyone else talk. <laughs> I, I, I love those things. But you know what? I have got so much podcast rolling around in my heart that I can't hear the voice of the Spirit. So for me this Lent, I'm just going to, Turn it off and try to listen to Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but little by little, things can pull us away from the the love and joy and freedom we should know in Christ, and they might not even be bad things. So this Lent, I, I encourage you to examine where the Holy Spirit would show you in your life the things that you need to say no to. So that you can begin this celebration of freedom, which is Lent. Freedom, the freedom that we experience in this season, if we really follow that freedom, culminates in freedom from death that will be celebrated in the resurrection. And that's what we will celebrate at the end of this Lenten season at Easter time. 
And so I, I'll close again with that phrase from George Herbert from his poem on Lent. He says, welcome, dear feast of Lent. It is a time of receiving fullness of Christ, but we get to the fullness of Christ by denying ourselves, taking up our crosses, and following him. I invite you to turn in your service guide now with me to the invitation to the observance of a holy Lent. Dear people of God, the first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. The season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. Thereby, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word, and to make a right beginning of repentance and as a mark of our mortal nature, let us now kneel before the Lord, our Maker and Redeemer. Kneel if able, please. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and penitence, and we may, that we may remember that it is only by your gracious gift that we are given everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. 